Welcome shareholders to Podcast 71. Did you know that October is ESOP month? 24 years ago, I started at Parksite. I didn't know what an ESOP was. Today, I have an ownership stake in our company. I have a strong connection with my fellow employee owners, which truly impacts every decision I make. And I have an outstanding retirement benefit. A reason to celebrate, for sure. And we're gonna do that this month. I'm probably not the only one who wasn't familiar with ESOPs when they started. Quite a few of you are newer to the organization and don't understand how it works. We're gonna change that. I'm Elizabeth Wheeler, your host, live from Studio 71. Welcome to part one of our ESOP series where we're gonna break down our ESOP. Today, part one, the basics with Ron Heitzman and Chris Swenson. Part two, protecting our ESOP with Cliff Geiger and Jill Ferdinand, who recently were lobbying for ESOPs in Washington, D.C. Part three, a conversation with a few of our board members. And part four, why it matters with George Petit, our chairman of the board. Besides ESAP month, the timing is exceptional for this series because our new VP of HR, Chris Swenson, is traveling to locations and we've done a few ESAP 101s and we've got more planned. So today with me is our new VP of HR, Chris Swenson, and our CEO, Ron Heitzman, who's been an employee owner for nearly 24 years. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks, Elizabeth. Hi, Elizabeth. Before we begin, I have to mention this is a milestone in our podcasting initiative. This is the first time we have returning guests, so thank you. Glad to be here again. Absolutely. Chris, I'm going to start with you. You've been here nearly four months. You're meeting people, you're doing ESOP 101, you're out and about. Feel different than any company you've been with before? Absolutely. Every time I have an interaction with our associates, I'm learning more about the company, learning more about what they do, and learning how special this place really is. And it's really all informed by our ESOP. I'd love to hear that. Ron, let's talk about the basics, or shall we say Express ESOP 101. Who owns Parkside? Broadly, let's say there are a couple of ways companies can be owned, two categories. You could be publicly held, which is owned by thousands of people. Stock is traded back and forth on the market between themselves. Might be if you own stock in Ford or Apple. And then there are privately held companies where the stock might be owned by a very few number of people, and it really isn't bought and sold. There's not really a mechanism to do that. We are a bit of a combination of both, but we're privately held by the Parksite Employee Stock Ownership Trust. And what that enables us to do is 100% of Parksite Associates own stock in Parksite and only Parksite Associates own stock in Parksite. So what is an ESOP? You mentioned earlier, Elizabeth, a great retirement. And that's basically what an ESOP is. ESOPs were created in the mid-70s to encourage employee ownership of companies that they work in. The U.S. Congress actually created it, and it operates very similar to a 401k plan, with the key piece being that you don't have to put any of your money into it. And like a 401k, the investment is not taxed until you take money from the plan. There's lots of rules because it is a retirement plan. And so the IRS, the Department of Labor, and what's known as ERISA, the Employee Retirement and Security Act, all kind of govern our ESOP. How did it even happen for us? Parkside was originally owned by John Morris Rowe and Ray Biggins. 
Ray Biggins, John Morris Rowe began the idea of transitioning out of the business and what they would do with the company when they were no longer in it. And between them, they made the decision that the people that created the success of the business are the people they wanted to own the business. So they created our employee stock ownership plan and basically sold the company to the employees, the associates through the ESOP. And then we went 100% employee owned in 1997. I just want to dwell on that for a minute because that one series of decisions is what got us here where we are today. It's what created 800 and some Parksite associate owners today. It's the only way a guy like me is going to own a business like this. And if you think of the gravity of that decision, at that point, they decided they weren't going to pass the company down to their children and their children's children. They decided that the people working in the business would become the owners. And it's a decision I'm thankful for every day. Me too. Chris, you mentioned rules. Now, I know you're still new, but how familiar are you with the rules and does everyone get to participate? Well, that's the cool thing about the ESOP, Elizabeth, is that the rules provide that every single employee participates in the ESOP. Now, there's some qualifiers on that, but ESOPs are required by law to be non-discriminatory. So we can't pick and choose who participates and we can't pick and choose how much associates get. Everyone has to be treated exactly the same. And so with that, every associate in the company is given stock that is equal in value to 14% of their annual compensation every year. And I said it earlier, the great thing about it is, is that there's no cost to the employee. There's a couple of other rules, some qualifying rules and some vesting rules. So you do have to work here for a thousand hours to be eligible for the plan. And we have entry points a couple of times during the year, once those thousand hours are worked, but that entry is automatic. You don't have to do anything other than work the thousand hours. And then there are also some vesting rules. You have to work here for a period of time before you're vested in the plan. And that's three years, right? That is three years. That's correct. All right, Ron, I got a question for you. We're not going to go into the great details, but maybe can you talk real quickly how our stock is valued? The important thing to know is that we are valued once a year at the end of the year after our December 31st full year financial results are in, and we're valued by an outside independent valuation firm. Name of the firm that values us is Kroll, K-R-O-L-L, used to be called Duff and Phelps. They changed their name about two years ago, but they're one of the largest and most reputable valuation and M&A companies in the country today. Very, very large company. They go through a process of looking at our results and our industry and our peers in the industry and how we compare to all of those things, they determine the value the business would get if we were to sell it. And that's our valuation every year. The other main takeaway I want you to think about in that valuation is it's based on our results compared to our industry and compared to others in our industry. So it's our EBITDA, our receivables and inventory, the amount of investment that we have in the company our outlook of the future compared to others' outlook of the future. Those are all things that we control every single day. And if you've been with the company for any period of time, you are sick of hearing me saying this because I say this every time we talk about our valuation. We control all those inputs. So the things we do in our job every day that make profit go up and investment get managed effectively affect our valuation positively. 
we make decisions and actions that affect our profit negatively. It affects our valuation negatively. There are some things that we don't control, like industry outlook and housing trends and things like that. But our performance is what drives our value in the most significant fashion. And we get to contribute to that every day. And this starts in February, March, and it takes about six weeks. So they start with our final 1231 financial results. Now they ultimately want to wait till our audit is finished. So our audit usually gets finished around that time frame, but our values determine typically around May. And then everyone receives their statement about six weeks after that or so. Yeah. It takes a little while to figure out how the contributions go and what amount goes into everybody's account. And then statements get mailed to individuals. Now, Chris, tell me what happens if someone decides to leave or maybe retire or maybe die or become disabled. There are provisions in the plan on how we treat departing associates. And it's handled a couple of different ways. So back to the vesting, you mentioned three years. If you've worked here for three years, there's really kind of four ways that you can leave the company. One is you can voluntarily leave the organization. And when or if you do that, the associate has to sell their stock and the company has to buy that stock. That transaction is done over a five-year period after one leaves the organization on a voluntary basis. If you reach retirement age, which is 65 years old with five years of service and ESOP participation, then your benefit is paid out in a lump sum to you. It is also done that way in the unfortunate circumstance if you should pass away while you're an associate invested in the plan or if you become permanently disabled and can no longer work. What about diversification? You want to get a little bit more into the weeds on that? There is a provision within the plan that we're required to offer participants of a certain age as they get older and have 10 years of service, that every Parksite associate has the opportunity to basically diversify that ESOP investment. And there are a lot of technical things around it, but basically it allows you to de-risk your holding in kind of this one specific asset. And you can then take a certain percentage of that vested benefit that you have, and you can then take it and invest it in other vehicles and diversify that investment so you're not so much held in that one asset. Chris, and that's a good example of when we say there are a lot of rules and ESOPs are governed by the Department of Labor and ERISA, the Employee Retirement Income Security Act. That's a good example of how those rules are built to make sure that ESOPs benefit employees associates within our company, because that simply recognizes that as you reach retirement age, it may make sense for you to diversify your retirement investment. I don't know if you mentioned it or not, but you can actually sell up to 25% of your stock back to the company once you reach diversification age. And then in your final year, you could choose to sell up to 50% of your stock while you still work here back to the company. You don't have to, but you can choose to. Yeah. And the good thing about that is we prompt that, right? So if you are and reach that point of 55 and 10 years of service, we're going to reach out to you and we're going to have that conversation and you will have the opportunity to do that. I think I saw a figure that over a 20-year career, you could accumulate eight times your annual compensation in the ESOP. 
Yeah, I know where you saw that figure. There's a tool that we have. It's potentially sub value calculator. And Elizabeth, maybe you'll talk to how people can access that tool. But basically, it is just a very simple four input tool that we have available where you can put in your compensation, how much you think our stock value will grow over the time you work here. And it will lay out your annual contributions of stock. As Critch mentioned at the beginning, you get 14% of your compensation each and every year in additional stock. And then based on how you think our valuation will change, it will show you what you could accumulate in your ESOP balance. You mentioned eight times. You get to about eight times your annual compensation over a 20-year career if our stock value grows on average about 10% per year. Over the last 20 years, our stock value has grown 19% on average per year, every year. That would be about 14 times your annual compensation. Now, I don't know what our stock value will do over the next 20 years, but I know what it did over the last 20. So thinking you could accumulate eight times or significantly more in an ESOP balance is a very realistic expectation. It's referred to as the balance calculator, and I will admit to have played with that a time or two. And you can locate it on ADP, and I'll send a link to it when we send out the podcast so you can play with it yourselves. Gentlemen, thank you very much for Express ESOP 101. There's a lot more to it, and we will do that, and we'll be out and about at the different locations over the course of the next few months. Though in closing, I do want to ask each of you what you believe is the most significant point of being an ESOP. Ron? Well, I don't know if I can narrow it in on one most significant point, but I'll say something I said earlier. Working in an ESOP is the only way a guy like me is going to own a company like this. And having the ability to do that through our ESOP is a tremendous opportunity for me. And I'm going to guess there are a lot of people in the same situation that work for us today. And Elizabeth, for me, I'll piggyback on that a little bit, but I'll also tell a real brief story. I met a driver in one of our facilities who has over 30 years of experience in working with Parksite. And that driver told me that the ESOP changed his life. And he has over a million dollars in ESOP for his retirement. And it wasn't something that he ever thought was possible to be an owner of a company and to have that much. And so I have a responsibility to do everything that I can to help this company succeed and return value to our shareholders. It's in my best interest to do that. And it's in the best interest of all of my fellow associates. And that's pretty profound. And I think it's pretty cool. It is very cool. Very well said. Thank you both for joining us again. And thank you for everything that you do. And I thank our listeners for joining us. And remember, if you guys have an idea for a podcast, please let us know. Until next time, we'll catch you later. Bye.